Hey, what's up guys? I'm Carlos Quintero from Media on Q and I own and run a small content production company called Media on Q based out of Fargo, North Dakota. In today's episode, I'd like to talk about two things. One of them being the PC or the Windows computer versus the Mac for video editing, as well as where you're better off spending your cash or your money when you're building out a new computer that you're going to use to edit video and render that video. I realized that the whole topic of Windows versus Apple divides people, some of them uh, very passionately. And to me, while I am and have been working in the Mac world, for many years now, I really only care about getting the actual job done and the ease in which I'm able to get that job done. Anything that speeds up my process, makes it easy for me to go from start to finish, is always going to be something that I choose. Now, intuitively, you might be asking yourself, well, why on earth are you on an Apple system versus a Windows system? If, in fact, you want things to be easy, things to be speedy, things to work, and for everything to just flat out make your life more convenient in post-production. And the short answer is that Apple allows me to get my job done in an easy way with very little headaches, with almost no noise or extra sound in my studio, as well as allows me to basically deliver to whichever platform it is that I need in about, or in, in some cases, faster times than what I could get out of a PC. Now, how can that be true when we see and hear so many people on YouTube and so many people in social media basically bashing Apple or telling us how much the Apple products are inferior when it comes to uh, comparing them against a PC system or a Windows system. I'm totally guilty of calling Windows computers PCs and I realize that that's not an accurate des description, right? It's kind of like tissue paper. Tissue paper is tissue paper, it's not Kleenex. But to me, PC means Windows and I don't think I'm the only one in this boat, but I'm um, I realize that that's wrong, so I'm gonna to try to say Windows when I'm referring to Windows. So I don't really know why so many people don't like Apple or say that Apple is inferior when it comes to video editing. My main guess has to be that money is a factor that is influencing how people are feeling or what people are actually saying about the different systems. The other thing that I've noticed and I follow a lot of YouTubers, a lot of tech YouTubers, a lot of people who are influencers in social media. And what I see a common thing happen is that someone will run through specs side by side and say, oh, well, this processor is faster and it's only available on Windows or this graphics card um, it has the ability to leverage these specific resources and you can't get that graphics card or multiple of those graphics cards 
on a Mac computer. So on the graphics card side, that's true. There are some graphics cards that will not work and are not available on Apple products. On the processor side, in some cases, there are some processors that Apple does not opt for, right? They don't use them and that's okay. So in the next segment, I'm going to get into what actually matters when you're editing video and what actually helps improve those performances. Okay, so before we dive in and go through what each component of a computer does and how it affects video editing, I want to take one step back and just say that some of the people on YouTube who are incredibly smart and very well respected and have hundreds if not millions of followers are not completely wrong in everything that it is that they're positioning, right? If you're looking for a single system that allows you to play um, video games on that system competitively as well as serve as your editing workstation and maybe your personal computer and even your DAW, Digital Audio Workstation, then that may not always point you to Apple, okay? So that my perspective and my thoughts are going to come very specifically and pointed at those of us who work in video. So we're either shooting corporate video or commercial video projects. We're doing some of that editing ourselves and we might even be doing some color grading, maybe light color grading, because I'm sure that the super professional people who are, that's all they do that are professional colorists, have very different needs than what it is that I need at my current level in my career. So I'm gonna start by saying that, like I said, I've been using Mac for a really long time. So up until about three weeks ago, I was doing all of my video post-production work with my Mac Pro, the trash can version. And I was using what at the time was a completely fully loaded and Mac spec'd out trash can Mac Pro. That was not an inexpensive workstation. That was expensive. It had dual graphics cards. It had one terabyte SSD internally and I believe 64 gigs of RAM. On that system, if I was editing 1080 video, I could have four streams, four layers, like a, a multicam uh, timeline with four different 1080 um, streams going at the same time and monitor that off of any of three Mac displays as well as my um, 52-inch um, OLED display. No problem whatsoever. Super easy. Video rendering off of my, say, three, C300 Mark II. At the time, when I initially got it, I, I only had the C300 Mark I. Or my 5D Mark III, which I had then. I now have the Mark IV. Was super easy and a piece of cake. Like I said, multiple streams of video with color applied, with multiple streams of audio, 
encoding for web delivery as an example, the encoding happened much faster than real time. If I was encoding a master, the masters happened much, the encoding for that master happened much faster than real time. And then 4K happened. <laughs> so I decided I was gonna dive in head first into 4K. And the very first 4K camera that I owned was a Sony um, FDR AX100. So that is a consumer 4K camera. Now, why I'm mentioning this and why it matters is that even though I had been shooting with the 5D Mark III, which obviously is a consumer camera, it is a professional DSLR camera, but it has been used for many years by consumer or prosumer people for video. So again, why it matters is because of the actual codec that is being used to capture that video information. So in the next segment, I'm gonna talk about codecs. So let's talk about codecs for a second. So as I mentioned, I've been shooting on the 5D Mark III at the time, on the C300, the original, and then I bought the Sony FDR AX100, which was my first 4K camera. And what I discovered very quickly is that this pro-grade workstation that was built to chew up and spit out multiple streams of 4K, all of a sudden took a huge setback in performance. And when I mean huge, I mean all of a sudden something, let's say I was rendering a two minute video, that two minute video could take up to 16 minutes to render. That's something I was definitely not used to and definitely not ready for. You can only begin to imagine how excited I was, right, about shooting in 4K, and then how disappointed I was in how long it took to work through that 4K footage. And what I discovered is that it wasn't so much the computer that was the issue, it was the codec that was being used to capture that video information, and then what the computer had to do to actually be able to view it. So when Sony released that, um, FDR AX100, they used a new codec called XAVCS. So anytime any camera manufacturer comes out with a new version or a new flavor of a codec, it means that the software has to then be optimized in order to be able to use and read it properly or at least maintain its performance. You couple that with the difference in, as an example, the FDR AX100, that is encoding video in H.264. My 5D Mark III at the time was encoding video in .mov, so that is already friendly for Mac users and Mac computers. The C300 is encoding in its own proprietary wrapper, but it's basically an MOV file. So as long as you have the plugin, Basically, it works really well with Mac systems. So why is H.264 encoding so difficult? That's because of the process of debayering or demosaicing that has to happen. Now, if all that you were that we were trying to do was take the video right out of the camera and then encode it into something that YouTube can use, 
it still has to be sort of taking that information, whatever that information is, you know, you've heard of 420 or 422 or 444. So it's got to take all of that color information and then remap it to where it is then viewable or usable by whichever application it is that your delivery platform is going to use. The best way to explain this for me is sort of like when you ask Google Maps for directions. So this is how I explain debayering. If I ask Google Maps for directions and I say, this is my start point, that's my end point, and Google basically tells me, this is the distance between the two points, that is equivalent to 420. And what that means basically is that I know where I'm starting and I know where I need to end up and how I get there, it's really up to me to pick. And I may not always take a specific path that allows me to get to that endpoint. That variable of not being specific as to how to get from point A to point B is what makes video, especially on YouTube, show up as banding or artifacting or chromatic aberration, just different things like that. So different artifacts that take the quality away from the video. Now 422 is Google saying, here are two different routes, pick which one you want to take. But it's telling me exactly how to take each of those two routes. In the next segment, I'll explain 444. Okay, so 444 color is the equivalent to me asking Google for directions and then getting turn by turn directions in a single path. In other words, I cannot deviate. I go from point one and then I, I check in at point two and then I check in at point three until I get to my destination. And that's what 444 is. That also means that when your computer is doing the encoding, right, so for delivery, whether it be for a master or for web delivery or for broadcast or whatever it is that you're doing, you get to retain much more quality, much more quality in terms of detail, much more quality in terms of smoothness, much more quality in terms of highlight roll-offs, which then also means you don't see things like banding and so many other different artifacts. So now that we know that depending on which camera system you're going to use, that may affect your video editing experience, all of a sudden, that gap that, like I said, many people on the internet seem to have or say that there is when it comes to PCs versus Apple computers, narrowed, and it narrowed quite a bit. So now let's talk about graphics cards. So graphics cards are great for things like previewing, right? Sometimes, depending on the software that you're using, they might actually help with rendering. That of course means that the software has to be optimized to take advantage of that graphics card so that it can take some of the load off of the processor to help encode and render that video project. So following that logic, I primarily now shoot with the C300 Mark II for all of my corporate work and the red Epic W for all of my commercial work. My C300 work is shot in 4K. 
Even if we're going to deliver to 1080, we always shoot in 4K. And my commercial work, even if we're not being paid to shoot in 8K, we are capturing in 8K for 4K delivery. So as I mentioned, I now have a 5K iMac, and that is my primary workstation. On this 5K iMac, I am able to render video that is shot in Canon Log from my C300 Mark II in real time. The editing experience is not only pleasant, but it's easy. Scrubbing is seamless. You can't see any drop frames. Everything processes in real time on the actual timeline when using Premiere Pro. So that's Premiere Pro CC. So unlike other comparisons, you know, where people talk about how Premiere Pro sucks on Apple versus the Final Cut, um, Final Cut Pro 10. I like Final Cut also, but there are some features in Premiere Pro that make it super easy and it's, it's much more in line with our existing workflow and why it is that we use it. So again, 4K, not an issue. At full quality, okay, with color applied. So with FX applied, multiple streams of audio if needed, and there is absolutely no issue. Switching over to the commercial work that I do. So red raw footage, raw footage, which means it's completely debayered, right? On this 5K iMac at full 8K full frame, with the lowest compression settings on the RAW, I'm able to play it back, applying color to the footage at one quarter quality without any drop frames. So I am editing 8K RAW on my iMac using Premiere Pro, not dropping any frames when I choose one eighth quality. So how is that possible if Macs are supposed to suck for creative people or people who work in the video editing space that I am able to actually get my iMac to do that well? Not drop frames, 8K timeline, 8K raw footage at one quarter quality and with color applied. Oh, and by the way, in Premiere Pro CC. This is where understanding sort of what the different components are and what it is that they're actually doing sort of helps you create the right environment that allows for things like that to happen. An NVIDIA graphics card would not help my computer system do a better job at editing or rendering even my red raw footage because red, red code raw is not graphics card intensive it's cpu intensive like we talked earlier about the different types of encoding right there is a ton of information that is coming off of that file and it all basically is like a puzzle it's got to be rebuilt and put back together and that's called debayering and the graphics card is not going to help in that scenario. The two things that affect 
debayering, or rendering red code raw footage the most are the drive speeds and the CPU. One thing that a lot of people don't do is they don't use different drives to do different pieces of the work. So here's what I mean. Wherever the source files are, whichever hard drive that might be in, or RAID um, array that might be in, should then not be the same hard drive or RAID array that is also managing and showing you the previews. And it should also not be the same hard drive or RAID array that is then managing the encoding or the processing. And the last piece is that whichever RAID array or hard drive it is that is going to be receiving the encoded information should then also not be shared by some of the other resources in that process. So here's how it works for me. I put all of my footage, regardless of which camera or which um, system I shot on, I put all of the original files onto a Samsung SSD. It's a two terabyte SSD. And if I need to, like if that's not enough space, then I will actually use a 16 terabyte RAID array. But that's where my source files go. And these, of course, are external drives, not drives that are on my computer. I allow the drive itself that runs the operating system on my computer to stay free of any projects so that it could use temporary memory from there if needed while it's doing its processing. And when I'm ready to encode and render, I'm sending it off to my 48 terabyte RAID array so that I don't use any single disk to do any more than one single job. And this allows me to have kick-ass performance when using my Mac to edit video. When I'm traveling and I have just my uh, MacBook Pro, I use the same concept except they're all external SSDs. So that's how I use Macs and how they actually help me get my job done a lot faster, a lot less painful in a system that I enjoy working in without having to sort of reinvent the wheel or try to switch over to some PC-based solution, Windows-based solution, not PC. And what is it that I don't like about PC builds? Well, for me, it all really comes down to enjoying using the system, right? But one thing that I know from back when I used to edit and work on PC-based systems is the noise. Anytime that the render engine was going off, it sounded like an airplane was taking off in my studio. I even upgraded to, at the time, whatever the maxed out version was of an Alienware computer with, you know, water cooling and all of the bells and whistles that Alienware puts into their PC builds. And back then it was just 1080 editing and it was still kind of painful, right? It wasn't super smooth, but it was also super loud. And if I had to do any work in After Effects, I could basically count on the fact 
that my PC was ready to take off any moment because the fans were going full-blown balls to the walls all the time. Fast forward to when I got my trash can version of the Mac Pro because before that I had iMacs um, and iMacs are also very, very quiet, but that Mac Pro, it's very difficult for you to actually hear it, even under full load and full stress. Now this new 5K iMac, every once in a while the fans do kick up and it definitely makes more noise or it's louder than my old Mac Pro, but it doesn't sound like a rocket's taking off in my office. One quick thing too, um, just want to throw it out there, but the Red Rocket X card that Red sells so that it can help with debayering of the Red raw footage and also help with real-time playback, that is not a graphics card. And it is not a graphics card because a kick-ass, super expensive or multiple SLI enabled graphics cards are not going to help debayer red raw footage any faster. And if they do, it is so minimal that the cost to benefit ratio makes them not worth it. So in conclusion, why am I a Mac user instead of a PC user? Two things, I enjoy the system, enjoy working on it. Everything in the Apple ecosystem always seems to just work. I don't have to track down new drivers. I don't have to troubleshoot why something is hiccuping. It either works or Apple doesn't allow developers to make the software and then make it available to Apple users. That level of quality control is the difference between, from my perspective, a professional product and a consumer product. So I'm interested to hear if you guys have any thoughts on the subject and I hope I didn't offend anyone. That's not my intent. I believe that whichever tool is available to you that allows you to get the, the job done and ultimately make you money is the right tool. So that's gonna wrap it up for today. I hope you guys found this information useful and maybe a little entertaining. Until next time, I'm Carlos Quintero from Media IQ, helping you compete in today's web economy. Thank you for listening. Catch you guys tomorrow.